Well, again, welcome. You're welcome, Audrey. When I got saved, I became a Christian. I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps. So I didn't grow up in the church. And that posed a few problems for me. One was figuring out how in the world do I be this Christian person I'm supposed to be in this place where I'm already very well known as somebody who I would call the opposite of a Christian, right? So, um, yeah, so I was a platoon sergeant, which even amplifies things. So I've got like 35, 40 Marines who know me as a certain way. And I was going to go into great detail about drive, describing that certain way, but I'll just I'll give you the highlights. Um, yeah, um, arrogant, proud, mean, could cuss like the, the best of them, drinking, smoking, lying, cheating, stealing, like whatever. You know, it was all it was all fine because I was good at my job, and I could behave however I wanted to. <clears throat> and then. Jesus has to go and ruin that. <laughs> right? So I get saved, and now I'm back at work, and these people look at me, and I'm looking at them going, how do I do this? How, how do I do these things at the same time? I didn't see a way, and so I figured out how I could do it. I'll be sergeant marine guy at work, and then I'll be Christian guy at home and at church. Problem solved. Yeah, it's a solid plan. I mean, it, it was solid for the five minutes that it lasted when I became very aware of the fact that I could not do that. It's just impossible. If I was really, truly saved and transformed, there's no way I could continue in the lifestyle that I was leading. It just couldn't happen that way. And so I, I tried small things in the beginning, and one of the easiest things, by God's grace, that I was able to move away from was just my mouth, like cussing, right? And that drew a lot of attention, not in a good way, because everybody's like, what's your problem? Why are you being so nice all of a sudden? I was like, I'm, I'm not really being nice. I just cleaned up my language a little bit. But all of a sudden, it's drawing like this opposition to me in, 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 in ways that I wasn't expecting. And then I tried to quit smoking, and that was terrible. I failed many times, quit for a couple of weeks, then everybody that was still my friend smoked. And of course, I'd go out to the smoking area and hang out because that's where my friends are. So I just, hey, can I get a cigarette? Sure, no problem. Went on for years, right? So why am I sharing this with you? Because every one of us, the moment we become a Christian, whether you were at five years old or 50 years old, there comes a point where you realize the things of this world, the way that society expects you to be, and the way that the Word of God tells us to live our lives are mutually exclusive. And there has to become a point where we make a decision that we're going to stand out, but in a good way. So the message this morning in our series of moving toward Christ is be different in a good way. We're going to be different as believers in this world. But let's be different in a good way. Because you can be different in a bad way and still wear the title and the label as Christian and do a lot of damage in the name of Jesus. So let's be different in a good way. I'm going to read a scripture for you. It's going to be one verse. 
And I'll be honest with you, it's going to be like part of one verse. It's in Romans chapter 12. If you want to turn your Bibles there, you can. It'll be on the screen as well. It's probably a verse that a lot of you know, perhaps maybe some have memorized. It's Romans 12, 2. How many have that memorized? Just by show of hands. A couple of you. Okay. It will be familiar to more of you, I believe. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father, I just want to, I want to come before you, Lord Jesus, and just sit in your presence for a moment and acknowledge just everything that Christy prayed earlier. So appropriate, Lord, just to, just to acknowledge how big and powerful and mighty you are, but how personal and loving and gentle, forgiving, gracious you are. And so, Lord, I ask as we, as we look inwardly today, I know this is going to be a challenge for, for all of us. But I'm convinced, Lord, that that is what we need to hear. So open our hearts, soften our hearts, prepare us to do the hard work that is before us, knowing that it's for our good and for your glory in every way. Yes, Lord. We need your help. We ask for it now through Christ. Amen. All right, my friends, if you've got questions along the way, <clears throat> number there at the bottom. You can text those questions to that number. We'll come up at the end and we'll, we'll dive in. But I want to preface the message by saying I feel like this is going to serve more as a, a warning or a caution for us. Uh, most weeks we've got a sermon text. We walk through it line by line, explain it, how do we apply it to our lives. And, of course, I gave you the, the, the text that we're coming out of. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time digging deep into this. I, I think what the Lord would have me to do this morning is tell us the dangers of not applying this truth in our lives. Because the danger is very real if we're, if we're honest with ourselves. It's very easy to fade away from God and not even realize it's happening. Romans 12, 2, as I read, says, do not be conformed to this world. So the, the word conformed is defined as behaving or behave according to socially acceptable conventions or standards. Behave according to socially acceptable conventions and standards. That's conforming. In other words, conforming to this world means that how we act, how we believe, what we give ourselves to is dictated by the standards and ideals of the society around us. We get that, right? That, that we're conforming to an image that this world, this society, tells us is right. And like I said, I'm not going to spend a ton of time dis discussing aspects of the society that we should avoid, like don't do this, don't do that. That's not what this is about. Some of those things may come up this morning as we're walking through this text, but I'd like to focus more of our awareness on the role that society is playing in your lives and mine right now today, because it is. Whether we think it is or not, it's playing a big role in our lives. And so this um, series that we're in, <clears throat> Moving Closer to Christ, I was telling Mark on Friday night, by Wednesday, I was like, Lord, I don't know what to preach on. I don't have a text. I don't have a topic. I got nothing. I got a few ideas written down, but none of them are like speaking to me like this is the one. And so I told Christy on Wednesday, I got to get out of here. I can't focus. 
So I went on a walk. I just started asking the Lord, what is it that you want for us? And the question that I asked myself in this sermon series, if we want to move toward Christ, what are the main things that draw us away from Christ? Let's focus on those things to, to, to help maybe stem it before it begins to happen. And I can't think of a faster way to move away from Christ than allowing the influence of this world to pull us away. Because sometimes it's super obvious, but a lot of times it's very nuanced and subtle, and we don't even know it's happening. So that's why I chose the scripture that I did. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Because the reality is, the world wants you to look the way it says you ought to look. Do we all agree with that? The world, society, the way that things function, it wants you to look a certain way. How to dress, how to act, how to give your time and attention to things. The goal of society is to make you look a certain way based on what it deems as right. <clears throat> I heard one guy say this, and to put it pretty bluntly. He said, society wants you to produce very little, consume a lot, conform to the status quo, obey the rules, and hide your weaknesses. If you do that stuff, you'll be fine. I'd say that's a fairly accurate description broadly. But like I mentioned, there's other more subtle, nuanced ways, and I would see even deceptive ways that, that the world insists on. Let me give you an example. Over the last 20 years, society has changed a lot. We were talking about this yesterday. A lot, just in the last 20 years. But one of the ways that I think that, that society is beginning to push its its motives on us is that we're being programmed to be offended by everything. Right? Society expects you to be outraged by all things. Commercials, political correctness, immigration, globalization, global warming, social media privacy policies, Kim Kardashian's wedding, Who's hosting Jeopardy? I mean, the list goes on and on. We, man, we got to be upset and up in arms about all of these things. Otherwise, we don't care. Right? So why do I say all that? I say that because if we're not intentional, if we're not intentional, we can end up looking more like the world than we ought to. And there's a line to walk here. Hear me when I say this. Right? We can't be so culturally insignificant that we have no voice. Right? We can't bury our heads in the sand and like, I don't want to have anything to do with the world. I'm over here. We can't be that. But we also can't be so much like the world that we don't stand out in any meaningful ways. And again, this is not a message to help you determine where on that spectrum you should be. Rather, it's a reminder that it's often a slow fade away from Christ as the world has its influence on us more than Christ does in our hearts. And this is where I think convictions come in. Convictions. Now, I don't need to know where you stand on any given political or social issue. <clears throat> but you do. You do. You need to know and understand what's driving your ultimate position. Is the word of God influencing that? Or is the world? And I just want to be honest with you for a second. One of the reasons people get so upset and respond the way that they do when confronted with difficult issues and people who disagree with them 
is because they've not spent the time understanding what they are arguing about. They think they have a grasp on the truth. Oh, I know all about this, and I think this. Well, really, all they're doing is regurgitating what somebody on CNN or Fox or MSNBC has told them. And now they're all upset because you're opposing what they think they know, and they have not invested the time in understanding why they believe what they believe. So are you for or against a particular stance on any given political topic? Good. You should be. What is your conviction on that? What's the reason for your stance? And is it grounded in Christ? Has the word of God influenced you in such a way that you can go, this is what I believe? This is why I believe it. This is what the Bible teaches. And I can clearly, calmly communicate that to you. Now I'm getting a little bit off topic, but I think it's okay because I think we need to hear these things from time to time. But being different in a good way isn't just exclusive to these big, huge political, moral issues. It has to do with the way that we live our lives. The things that we give ourselves to, the way we invest in other people, social and mercy uh, concerns, things, things that are you know, the hallmarks of Christian believers. Let me give you an example. My sister and my brother-in-law, they don't live too far from here. And they were sharing with us the story of one of their neighbors. So their neighbor is a Christian. And my brother-in-law and, and him, the husband, they, they get together. And they realized very quickly they had zero in common politically. Like you, you might even say they're like opposite. Uh, it's kind of entertaining to hear my brother-in-law talk about some of the things that, that he was, was, was talking about. Not in a weird, argumentative way, but just, you know, very, very, very different. But what struck me was how my sister and brother-in-law spoke about this man. They could sense from him a very genuine care and concern for their community. Such that my unbelieving sister and her husband can regularly do life with this believer who they have very few things in common with because they know he cares about them as people. His family would go out of their way to care for my niece. Somebody sick in the neighborhood, what do they do? They, they start a meal train. They go out of their way to help. And everyone knows how much they love their neighbor's and their people around them. You see, his love and his care for his community stands out more than his difference in politics. And we can learn from this man. Do not be conformed to this world. Take a strong stance on the less controversial, more people-driven aspects of the Christian walk. Spend more time loving and serving People, as opposed to making your stance on abortion and same-sex marriage known. Notice I didn't say ignore those things. You still need to know what you believe and why you believe it and have a good biblical foundation for those thoughts and beliefs. But the amount of time that we invest should sharply swing in the direction of loving and serving others sacrificially. Let's get a, a biblical example. I gave you one from the world of my sister and her neighbor. Let's look at the Good Samaritan. <clears throat> We're just going to look at five verses, Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. 
Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by him on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend... I will repay when I come back. Familiar story for you, I'm sure. Of all three men that passed by, the one who had the least reason to do anything at all with having to help this man is the one that actually stopped. Not having to do really with the fact that a priest and a Levite probably should have some care and compassion for people since they were responsible for the spiritual care of Israel. But he had every cultural reason not to stop and help because this man on the side of the road was likely Jewish. And Jewish people and Samaritan people do not get along. And it's more than just that they don't get along. It's like contentious, bitter, rivalry. Like we do not associate with each other. But this Samaritan man, his opposition to the person's background did not stop him from serving him in extraordinary ways. We can strongly agree with people politically, socially, economically, and still walk in the love of Christ in meaningful and compelling ways. It can be done. But the world tells you, you have to take a stand. You have to be right. You can't associate with people who don't agree with you. Do not be conformed to this world. If you haven't heard anything that I've said so far, just listen here for the next two seconds. Be different in ways that open people's eyes and their hearts as opposed to closing their ears and their minds. Be different in a way that opens people's eyes and their hearts as opposed to being different in ways that close them down immediately in their ears and their minds. Stand out in a good way. Moving toward Christ means becoming more and more like him. And did Jesus stand up and impose the religious leaders? Yeah, he he made it known. He, He stood up. But by and large, his primary role was a servant to the poor, to the needy, to the outcast. And Jesus was not at all interested in what societal norms were. And trying to meet those and, and, and earn his place in the community by doing like everybody else. Some of you watched the Chosen series with us if you've watched it you know, on your own. One of the key phrases that Jesus offers is, get used to different. Get used to different. We're different from the world around us. Not better, just different. We're different because the standards that we've been called to live out according to the teachings of Jesus, are contrary to the world. You read through any bit of the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to get that. And so our our Friday night group at the Masseys have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's quiz time. So here's some examples. Jesus taught things. We're talking about the way of the world and the way that Jesus teaches us to live are so different. So he taught things in the Sermon on the Mount like, if someone slaps you on the cheek... Don't hit them back, but what? Turn the other cheek. If you have an enemy, 
don't hate them, but what? Love them and bless them and pray for them. Then he says, don't judge others. Why? Because you're the same. You're no different. I heard one guy say one time, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. He's like, don't judge me because I sin differently than you. We're all the same. We're all broken. And we have no right to judge others, especially people outside of this faith community. But society as a whole encourages you to judge others, to retaliate, and to wish ill upon your enemies. These are just a, a few examples, and there are a lot more. Some far less obvious and more subtle. The point is, we're being influenced by society. Or we're being influenced by God. And what I mean by that is by choice. As I said earlier, society is going to have an influence on us. We're in this world. We're broken. We have fleshly desires. We're going to be impacted and shaped in some way by this society. But we have a choice of who we're being influenced by primarily. Are we primarily choosing to let this shape us? Are we primarily choosing to just let the world have its way and tell us what we should be and how we should live our lives? That's the key here. What are we choosing to do? And that's the second part of the verse, right? Do not be conformed to this world. Okay, got it. It's, it's a command, but it's also a warning. Don't do that. So what do we do instead? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I hate to disappoint you, it's not going to be a message describing the specific ways to do that. But the reality is, you already know what that takes to renew this. How do we renew our minds and move ourselves beyond the reach of society as a whole? It's in our pursuit of God. It's in our quiet time, our studying Him. It's being doers of the Word. It's not just knowing this. That's step one. Application in our lives is the next piece. It's in our obedience to his ways and not the ways of the world. It's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. You can't even have it both ways. As I started out this morning trying to tell you, one foot in both worlds. The most uncomfortable and least productive place you can be as a Christian is with one foot in the world and one foot in your faith. The most uncomfortable and least productive place you can be is trying to walk that line. It cannot be done. Be aware of your influences. Be mindful of what you subscribe to in the world. Be careful what you give yourself to. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So look, I told you up front this was going to serve more as a warning than anything else. <clears throat> but there are some clear, I think, biblical principles that we, we kind of walked through, practices, if you will, that we need to pursue. But at the end of the day, we need to sit down, each one of us, and honestly assess what level of influence the world and society has on us right now. And then what? <clears throat> we ask, what are we going to do about it? This message is going to be a lot more challenging than I think I realized until last night when I was going over my notes and I was going, man, this is, this is hard. This is rough. But what I'm asking you as one of your pastors is necessary. 
Once we evaluate our lives and then identify certain areas of our lives that have come under undue influence from society, we need to ask ourselves a couple of serious questions. Am I okay with this? Am I okay with the level of influence society has on me? Am I okay with what that level of influence is doing to my relationship with Jesus? You need to ask yourself that question. Am I going to continue down this path? Am I going to make some changes starting today? These are questions we need to ask ourselves as we seriously look inwardly. So let me give you a few examples as I close. You're thinking like, okay, influence of the world, what does that look like? Let's talk politics real quick. Not anything specific, okay? Don't get worried. Maybe it'd be too specific for you, but that's okay. How much time do you spend listening to political podcasts, reading blogs, watching politically based TV shows? How much of your identity is wrapped up in your political party? How angry do you get when the opposing party says something that you just can't stand? And listen, there's a difference between being patriotic and caring for the state of our nation and having your identity wrapped up in red or blue. There's a difference. You could be a concerned citizen and not have your identity wrapped up in your political affiliation. Let's talk social media. How much time do you spend on the various platforms that the world has to offer in the world of social media? How much thought and effort do you put into the posts that you post every day? And how much are you stretching the reality of the situation? Because after all, on social media, everything is supposed to look perfect, right? Everybody's life is perfect. How many times have you looked at content that you shouldn't be looking at because it's on social media and that's what people do there. How many times have you been tempted to look up a person that you had a previous relationship with? How much influence does this have on you? And here again, I'm not telling you to get off Facebook. I'm not telling you to get off Twitter. But be honest with yourself. How much of a negative influence has it had on you? Last one, career and status. How important is the car that you drive? The size of your house, the school that your kids go to, the job you have. Do you choose to stay late at work even though you don't have to because it will make you look better while your family's at home eating dinner by themselves? I don't know. But you do. Here's the last thought. It's a tough subject. It really is. And I'm not sorry for having brought us here because I think it's of the Lord. And it's okay to come under conviction of the Holy Spirit and see ways in which we need to change. It's not okay, though, to come under the condemnation of the enemy and think I'm a terrible, horrible human being. There's a big difference. If you're sitting there going, man, I'm a, I'm a horrible human being, that's not from God. That's the enemy. Now, if you're sitting there going, man, yeah, God, I hear you. This has really played more of a significant role in my life than I, than I meant for it to. And I need to do something. 
those are two different things altogether. So make sure that you can tell the difference. The grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God is sufficient and his love for you is deeper than we know. He sees you right where you are. Wherever you are right now in this equation, he loves you. But his desire for you is to see you moving toward him as you allow the word of God to influence you more and more as opposed to what's going on around us. So that's, that's, that's where I'm going to leave it today. And that leaves a lot on your plate. If you're willing to take that on, and I pray that you are, myself included, what in this life, in this world, in this society, has an undue level of influence on me, and what am I going to do about it? Let's pray. Jesus, we, <clears throat> we acknowledge that this world and its ways are contrary to you and yours. And every one of us here has allowed things of this world to, to push us and shape us in ways that, that don't conform to your word and your ways as much as it should. And so we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our lives, in our hearts right now in ways that you will help us to be honest and transparent with ourselves. We're not hiding anything from you, Lord. You know every, every area of our hearts. So Lord, if there's an area of our hearts where we've been kind of withholding from you because we don't want to know what's there, we don't want to see or acknowledge just how much We've been moving away from you in certain areas. Let us pull back the curtains of our hearts in ways that show and expose those things that we might have. The word of God, renew us and draw us closer to you, Christ. Again, it's for our good. It's for your glory that we might be more prepared to do the things you've called us to in this life. To be good ambassadors for you to be good representatives in this world, to be like my sister's neighbor, who although is different, is different in a good way. That people could see the love of Christ in us in spite of our differences from this world. Let us be the good Samaritan to go out of our way to help people that maybe we don't even agree with, that we might be able to display the love of Christ in real and meaningful ways. Lord, your love is so deep for us. So deep, Lord, you, you lived a perfect life free from sin. You hung on a cross. You died in our place that we might experience the freedom from this world. Help us to acknowledge that and to live in light of the truth that your love for us is profound. And you want us to grow closer to you, Christ. We ask for your help now. In Jesus' name.